Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cavs the Podcast. Uh, we have a foursome tonight. I'm very excited. It's uh, it's your host, Tom Pestak, joined by my fellow um, brothers in blogging arms, Nate Smith, Evil Genius, and David Wood. And guys, it was, uh, it was quite a weekend uh, to be an Ohio sports fan. Um, I want to start it off. I want everyone to give me... In 10 seconds or less, their take on the Ohio State-Michigan game, starting with Evil Genius. Um, Ohio State showed they were still the better team. Uh, And essentially, Jim Harbaugh showed the world that he's still a big crybaby. Nice. David? Uh, I didn't watch the game, but I like being able to just ramble about it at work because everyone's against Ohio State since I'm not there anymore, in Ohio at least. Well, you need to be flexing on them. All right, Nate. Uh, I assume Ohio State won. Oh, my God. I have, I got, I'm going to end this podcast right now. Two of the yeah. four people didn't even watch. Uh, oh, man. I'm not a football say, guy, Tom. I will just say I'll take probably more than 10 seconds. First, I'll say Harbaugh was right about one of those three only complaints because that was definitely past interference on Michigan. And JT Barrett, according to the Zapruder'd Skyview, clearly got the first down. So he so the is non-call on the on the Ohio State interference. That's the one. That was the one that he had a reason to gripe about. Yeah, I, I think I thought too. that was an interference. But I mean, that stuff happens. So that was a less a less critical point of the game for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, to make it seem like. You know, if only the referees would have been more balanced, that they would have won the game. I think is pretty weak. So yeah. it's always um, weak sauce to blame the refs because you know what you you put yourself in that position. You ought to be able all right. To win. So Nate and Jay, I have one last thing. Sorry, I, I know because it's I was going to tell them. No, I was going to tell them they could just mute themselves because I think me and you just can talk Buckeyes <laughs> for a few minutes here. Well, so go ahead. Do, What's your next? I just Buckeyes had one, I just the podcast. Quick, right, I have what, one quick anecdote to share because this yes. morning. I had to stay home to because a guy came to cut down a couple of my dead trees in my front yard. And when I opened the door, I, I was still wearing my Buckeye shirt, like from the weekend. And he's like, "Oh wow!" He's like, "That was he goes, I, he goes, I'm not a Buckeyes fan, but I'm a huge college football fan. That was a great game." He goes, "I'm gonna give you because I'm gonna give you an extra fifty bucks off." And I'm like, oh, "Hey, thanks." So Buckeye Wing gets me an extra fifty bucks off my trees cut down. So. Wow, that's way better than a chalupa. Holy cow! Yeah. You think he comes out to Dayton, that guy? Maybe, <laughs> maybe I could. I mean, that'd be a long trip, but maybe he's got some connections. I, I, I heard he was a, a former gutter salesman. Yes, <laughs> gutter. No, gutter bought three thousand sells itself, man. Um, all right, so EG, 
There was a lot of talk this morning about how if Penn State or Wisconsin wins the Big Ten championship, that it could force Ohio State out. And I've heard a lot of different takes on this. And I guess my biggest thing is I don't think that would happen because right now teams know that the the um, conference championship is important. They're never not going to think it's important. In fact, it seems more important than ever once the college football playoff started. The last two years, no team has gotten into the playoff that didn't win a conference championship. So that's not going anywhere. If for some reason they decided that that's just so much more important than the body of work overall and they supplanted Ohio State, that would send an insane message to all of college football that your non-conference schedule matters for squat and you would never see a big-time program schedule a difficult non-conference game yeah. if they did I, that. I, so think I, think they painted, I think they painted themselves. I think they painted themselves in a really tight corner here, uh, and they better. I think they got to pray that Wisconsin wins. Actually, but see, here's, here's the why. Thing. Here's the weird yeah. thing, though. Wisconsin's higher ranked right now than Penn State. Yeah, but they didn't beat. But they didn't beat Ohio State head to head. I think they would look at that and say, Penn. It's I, you look at that and you say, okay. Penn State, if they beat Ohio State head-to-head and they win the Big Ten championship, how do you leave them out? Because they're not the better team. I, I don't know. I agree I mean, with you. No, I agree with you, but they but they were on whatever date in November or, or late October that they beat Ohio State. They were. They were, but I just – if you're – I'm I mean, not they saying, have, I'm saying like – and I'm living out here in, Pac, in Pac-10 country or Pac-12, whatever yeah, the hell these yeah. days – where everybody's like, well, if Washington gets gets left out for two Big Ten teams, there will be hell to pay. And it's like, by the way, I think I think both those Big Ten teams could beat Washington. I'm not oh, yeah. impressed oh, yeah. with Washington at all. No, but, they'll play defense. Yeah, they would kill them. And I kind of hope that Colorado beats them beats this, them. this coming weekend. Yeah, well, that would solve a lot of problems. Yeah, and there were some people speculating that Michigan could even squeak back in. Um, I think that'd be really hard because they were saying if, um, Clemson loses that they could potentially put Michigan back in because, uh, didn't Michigan beat? Oh, and if Colorado wins because Michigan beat Colorado, didn't they? Wasn't that one of their non-conference games? As lost as I am. But Uh, my, my bigger uh, point is everyone's focusing on like head to head and stuff like that. But, Forget the fact that Ohio State has less losses. They had the most difficult schedule in college football this season. And Penn State, it wasn't even close to the most difficult schedule in college football. So if at the end of the season you say, like, well, you know, the conference championship matters for a lot, and then you say, oh, and Penn State won the head-to-head, then you're basically sending a huge signal to every, every single program we could care less that you played a top 10 team in week two. And so they just won't schedule them anymore. Well, yeah, and they'll I go back that, to the way they'll go back to the way it used to be, where you just you just schedule the little sisters of the poor and yeah, cupcake exactly. central, and then that's it. Then you play conference play, and that's that's where you wind up. Yeah, exactly. I think or they'll blow up. Thing. They'll blow up, but yet another yet another playoff system because they say, well, it's not <laughs> they'll yeah. expand it to eight, which they shouldn't do, or they'll come up with something All else. Right. I'm gonna rope. I'm gonna rope Nate and David back in. <laughs> so J.R. J.R. Smith and LeBron were at the game. Um, <clears throat> what do you think about 
the Cavs, now that they're the champions, being the ambassadors for <coughs> excuse me, Cleveland and the state of Ohio. Nate. Uh, I'm all think? for it. I, I mean, LeBron is, has <laughs> embraced his Ohio roots since his return, uh, in, endorsed Hillary. So, uh, you know, really, uh, really pulling to, to bring Ohio up. And, uh, <laughs> I'm just trolling you there, Tom. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? I don't know. I'm, I'm trolling you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that had to do with anything. But, um, but yeah, it, uh, to, LeBron's been a lot more conscious, uh, conscious of his image and of, uh, you know, repping the state of Ohio and, uh, and trying to do what's best for Ohio. So, uh, I got no problem with it. it it's been great. And JR, I mean, even when he wasn't in, uh, a Cavs uniform this summer when he was a free agent was, was hitting a lot of tribe games. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling the love. Now, David, this one's for you. JR Smith asked i don't know if he did it in front of cameras or on instagram or something but he posed a question while he was at the game if like he and lebron were eligible to play college football since they didn't go to college and i guess someone found out the answer is no because they're professional athletes with endorsements so that nullifies their ability to go back and do that but my question for you is what current nba players could play in the NFL. Can you oh, think of like great question. two or three? Oh, I mean, LeBron's the prime one. Like, make him a tight end, or he'd probably be a slot receiver. But you get LeBron, Blake Griffin, because he's he's pretty beefy guy. And then I don't know. You'd have to have someone funny like Zach Randolph. I could see him being like a lineman <laughs> or something, or like, <laughs> or maybe. I'm trying to think who's like a, a bigger Nikola Pekovich would be an offensive lineman. <laughs> he would be a good one because he's a beefy guy. Yeah, we're talking Nick Pekovich well, five years ago, not Nick Pekovich now. <laughs> well, no, he's well, probably Andrew, Andrew, now. Andrew Bogut's really good at running the block and tackle. That's true. <laughs> Bogut would be a beast. You know what? Uh, J.R. Smith would be a good cornerback. He, he's gotten pretty good at shadowing guys off the ball. How can you ask questions like this, Tom, on a night that I promise not to talk over people and not interrupt them? And now you're asking these questions. I just want to. It's just red meat for you. Yeah. So I want. You're just dangling it in front of the piranha pit. I've, you know, when early on, like the, I don't know if it was Nike or whoever ran that commercial where LeBron um, went to play for the Browns. And at the time, a lot of people sort of mocked it, like, what a joke. And I think there were some football players that kind of, you know, threw some shade, just saying, like, you know, LeBron would get killed or whatever. I am more convinced than ever that LeBron would dominate. I mean, dominate the NFL if he had chosen to play in it. I've just, I've never seen someone with his combination of um, finesse, strength, power, speed, and just also like awareness, you know what I mean? Like oh, I, I Kevin think Love, Kevin Love quarterback. Oh yeah, no, that was what see, I said that football. in the recap last. Did night. you see? He's, did you see him throw that? Almost throw the ball in the hoop, one handed, like the whole court. I did, but a football's shaped slightly different. I mean, can he spin a football? I don't know that he can. I, I, I like, I know. UCLA, forget though, is easier to throw full court than a basketball. So. If you can do it with a basketball, you can do it with a football. It's different, though. I, I, I'm saying, like, right now, not in some alternate universe where, you know, we bred someone to play the sport. I'm saying, like, tomorrow, 
LeBron could dominate the NFL. I'm thinking like what other uh, what other Westbrook players would be the best that's running back one. in the NFL? That's LeBron, a good. That's a good. Westbrook's too small to be running back. What? He's he's what? He's six he's, two. He's huge. He's too, he's he's too, like he, the biggest running back in the league. No, he's too skinny. Like you, they, those guys uh, are like yeah. five ten. Okay, like well then he'd be like a slot back, and <laughs> yeah. you know, a do LeBron, everything back. LeBron would be a beast instantly because he's faster than Gronkowski, and he's the same exact weight as him. And LeBron's like trying to be slimmer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I put um, Marcus Smart as a linebacker. Okay, what about uh, Tony Allen as like a safety? He's a he would be like a Joe Hayden, a crazier version of Joe Hayden. So much bigger than that. Trick or treat, Tony man, coming in like Troy Polamalu. I could see it. I put Kay Felder as a cornerback. Oh, dude, no, Kay Felder in the in the role of uh, what's that dude who used to be who's plays for the the Eagles now? Uh, Sproles. Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing Safety. about Kay Felder in the cornerback is that vertical. That's you know, true, but he's only 5'10", or 5'9". Yeah, there have been a lot of guys that have played corner at that size, especially now a lot of teams have nickel corners. He'd be a great nickel corner. That's, that could be. All right. I'm loving this already. <laughs> You're loving this idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you got to go for some linemen. Like, who would be really – we got to think of some beefy guys that would make – Marcin Cortot. Marcin Cortot. Uh, Martino or Todd would be a good defensive end. I'll give him that. Oh, Jonas, yeah. Jonas V. Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, he's a big dude. But the other thing is, is some of those uh, centers are almost too big, though. I mean, Shaq would have been. It'd be the so easy to cut block those guys, though. Yeah. Like I, I feel like me. taller than like it, six and eight is is a little tough. Anthony Bennett is the perfect like <laughs> lineman guy. He's like he's yeah. like six six. He was yes. probably pushing like two ninety. Yes. He's at his fattest. Yes. He's in yes. the D league now too. He could easily he'd move to a practice nose, squad. He'd be a great nose tackle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, we missed the mo- we missed the most obvious one. The Dray- Draymond Green would oh. be the kicker. <laughs> <laughs> Draymond Green would be the mascot. Dray- Draymond, no, he'd be the kicker. He kicks everything. Tackle. Yeah, that's he does. <laughs> that kick is true. Yeah, I just thought he'd be a kicker because he's just a turd and takes too much pleasure in Curry and Durant leading the team. Oh man! All right, let's talk. Let's talk Cavs. Kevin Love wins Eastern Conference Player of the Month with just uh, you know a phenomenal overall month, but of course the signature moment was when he scored 34 points in the first quarter uh, last week. And, um, you know, is it, I guess, going into the season, I think a lot of us kind of coalesced around the same idea, which was not like a controversial idea. It was basically, look, whatever issues have been between the ears are gone, right? He had a, he had a horrific uh, finals by any statistical measure, um, and despite that, he was remembered in the finals for his toughness. He led the team in plus minus and he had that stop on Stephen Curry and they won a championship. Like the, the whole love Wiggins thing completely, um, validated 
And so there, it, it was basically an impossibility that Kevin Love was going to have any sort of weird tension or pressure or that the team was going to have anything weird. I mean, it was kind of like, hey, this guy can continue to not be like the Minnesota Kevin Love and he can still produce in, in certain ways <clears throat> and this team's good enough to win a championship. And I, I think we all kind of thought that it was going to free him to at least be a more efficient player, uh, maybe not a higher usage player necessarily, but a more efficient player. And, uh, I mean, he's shooting 43% on threes and taking a healthy 6.5 a game. Um, I mean, that's outstanding. And, and then, you, and then not to mention the fact that he's, uh, he's averaging 12.2 rebounds a game. So, um, you know, he's really, he's really cleaning up the, the glass. Um, you know, he's, he's just, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, but is it safe to say that, you know, this version of Kevin Love, it's not the Minnesota Kevin Love. It's it's still like the stretch five Kevin Love, in my opinion. But just, you know, how much more of a weapon do the Cavs have with what we've seen from November, uh, EG? Um, I mean, Kevin's been he's been the best version of himself. I mean, he's been, I love that. I put the quotes in the, I think it was the the Dallas game that I covered where both he talked about it and Tyron Lue talked about it, that he's, he saw, he was watching film, I guess. And this is where the quotes came from. He was, he was watching, watching film with Phil, was it Phil Handy, the, one of the assistant coaches and basically saw that he was, he was, Doing that that up pump that up fake way too much in the in earlier games this year, and he stopped mm-hmm. doing that. Made a conscious effort to, to just get the ball and go up in in the yard, and that's what I think we were saying all last year. Like, just go up with the ball, dude. Like, just shoot it. Don't hesitate. Don't like look to pass as soon as you get it. Don't up fake. Just shoot the ball. And I I don't know if maybe he's been watching some Channing Fry video or just you know practice on the court or whatever, but. His release is so much, so much quicker, so much more assertive and confident. Every aspect of his game is more confident. Whether it's, you know, that shot with the in the post, the the taking the ball and just driving to the hoop. He's had so many more like dunks. He had that really cool give and go. When I watched on the on the tape from yesterday, the in the Sixers game where, you know, the shot wasn't there. He gave it to LeBron and then took off to the hoop and LeBron got him the ball for an easy for an easy dunk. Like he's he's so much more active and more confident in his game this year. And you just it, it makes all the difference in the world because they legit have three guys that can fill it up on, on any given night and carry the team like they had to yesterday because, you know, nobody else was seemed to be able to shoot the ball. So Yeah, I, yeah and oh go ahead, Nate. I was gonna say and Topping that off is he's averaging a full almost three more free throw attempts per game than last year, mm-hmm. and he's shooting a career high eighty seven percent from the line. I mean, he has become a clutch, a very very good shooter from the free throw line, uh, shooting over sixty percent true shooting, um, shooting almost seven free throws a game. I mean, he. Like you said, he's aggressive, but he also just every now and again knows when to mix in that pump fake and get himself yeah. to the line. I mean, he had yeah. three huge free throws last night. Uh, you know, got Ursan uh, Silva up in the air and uh, banana in the tailpipe. Banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> got, got three free throws, can them all, 
and that was uh, that was a big moment in the game. I mean, he's averaging over six points more a game than he was last season. They haven't um, gotten that movie in Turkey yet, so. <laughs> So, I mean, he, he is, and, and his assists are way down, but his offensive efficiency is just off the charts. Plus, defensively, he's so much better than he was, uh, you know, ever. I mean, he's averaging one steal a game, which is higher than his entire career. Um, his fouls, he's down below two fouls a game. Um, he's playing decent defense without fouling and still a great rebounder. His plus-minus has been very good. I'm sure it's much better uh, after this last spate of games than it was when we talked about it a couple, uh, you know, a week or so ago. But he's just, he's just been off the charts. Uh, well, and, it, so and to your point about him getting to the line too, like it's like even even on the the inside stuff where he's getting fouled, he, he's being smarter about when he gets fouled and 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 really kind of like I think selling the contact a little bit better than he than he had in the past and. I think he's been, you know, because a lot of him getting the line hasn't really been. I mean, there's the occasional, you know, perimeter, like just duck under and get the get the easy three shots. But it's been a lot of like inside action where he's really he's making because when you make decisive moves, you get the foul calls. Yeah. The when you're hesitant oh, and get blocked, you, you don't get the calls. The other thing I've noticed is Ty Lue likes having him in the game when the Cavs are in the bonus. Uh, yes. Because when he gets a re- if he gets fouled on a loose ball, that's like two automatic points. Whereas Tristan Thompson, it's a lot less likely. So I feel like you're seeing Tristan start a lot of quarters and, and Kevin finish him. Yeah. David, what have you seen different, um, noticeably different about Kevin Love's approach? I mean, we've already we've we've really recapped all the results that have been great, but are you seeing something different in the in his approach? Well, I mean, I wrote about this, I think, already this year, but he's just demanding the ball now rather than being passive about it. Like, he'll he'll get to a spot and fight for, like, a couple seconds until the ball gets passed into him. And then when he does get it, he's not passing it back out. Like, he's trying to back down to get, like, on the left baseline to his, like, he has those two spots, like, the one that's kind of straight on with the hoop, and then there's one that's a little more towards the elbow where he's pretty much automatic. It's just... He's not afraid to kind of take shots, I guess. Whereas last year, it seems he was kind of passive sometimes with it and would just pass it back out too much. Yeah. And the confidence not- in his three ball, especially from the corners, is just, I mean, he he just lets it rip. He had one where he caught it and probably let it go within a half a second. Like, it was Ray Allen-esque the other night. <laughs> with him right. making all the stuff, too, it makes it, like, defenders don't even know how to cover him now. Because last year it seemed like he'd either be making threes or he could get like his little right-handed hook shot kind of near the hoop. But now he's like hitting mid-range shots and the threes, and he's like able to get down low. So God, he can just do whatever, and that's why he's getting fouled so much. Even driving and dunking a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point, David. Because you see guys trying to guard him, and they wind up—they're um, just you know—they get caught in between a lot, where they yeah, can't—they're he- they're not quite sure what he's going to do. You can't sell out on him anymore. Like there's, you can't just drive him off the three line because you know that he can actually finish this year. So speaking of the three line, um, there was an amazing stat that I saw that the Cavs in back to back games made twenty threes, and prior to that week, 
I forget how many times a team had hit 23s, but it was a very low number. <laughs> was, I think it was 22 or something. Yeah, I don't even know if it was that high, but in the Cavs, well, no team it. had ever done it on consecutive in consecutive no. games. Right, and the Cavs did it twice in consecutive games in the playoffs last year against Atlanta. Um, you know, one of those was the uh, the uh, the blowout, and then I think was the other one the Fry game, the Channing Fry game. Yeah, yeah. Where it looked like yeah. they were going to lose, and then Channing Fry just put them on their back. So last year, of course, was another record-setting year for three-point attempts, and the leading team last year was the Rockets, and second was the Warriors, and third was the Cavs, and the Rockets' three-point rate. Um, was 37%. So 37% of their shots were threes. The uh, Warriors was 36%. Cavs was 35%. And then it went down from there. So far this season, the Rockets are once again leading the NBA in three-point rate at a staggering 44%. (laughs) Oh, they had Uh, 50 attempts the other night. 44%. Almost a whole, you know, almost a whole 10 percentage points higher than what they were last year. The Cavs are at 40%. They're the second highest in the league. So what are their percentages? Well, uh, that's a good question. I think Uh the Cavs are second right now in percentage. I will tell you. So the the Rockets were the first team to ever attempt. The Cavs are second in the NBA behind the Spurs in three-point percentage. At uh, 0.392, the Spurs are 0.399, and the Warriors are third, and the Rockets are fourth at 0.36. So the Cavs are putting on a three-point shooting clinic. They're second in the NBA in three-point rate, and they're second in the NBA in three-point percentage. And watching the Cavs come back... um, yesterday against the 76ers in that matinee game it's just obvious that all lebron wants to do is find an isolation matchup he wants put one move on the guy cause everyone to crap their pants and find (laughs) a wide open spotted up pick your poison whether it's kyrie irving channing fry kevin love Hell, he'll even throw it to Iman Shumpert, Richard Jefferson, and now we got, you know, James Jones is still alive. <laughs> He's got like five guys that could shoot 40% on catch and shoot threes. And, um, that's just what he's going to do. And it's just stunning. So, I, I mean, if you're, if you're another team, and this is like this is a kind of a new thing for the Cavs, right? We sort of saw this take off in the playoffs last year, and now they have full blown embraced it. So, how do you stop something like this? Do you just hope they miss? Do you hope they they go cold, or what? What is the solution? Do you chase these guys off the line? They're such a good passing team. Um, Nate, what would you do if you were a coach of another team and the Cavs are shooting this way from three point land? I would put my best defender on LeBron and make him score 50 points. And the problem is, is very few NBA teams want to do that. Like, nobody wants, they would rather get beat by five guys than one guy. You know, because it's like, how could you let LeBron score 50 on you? Why can't you throw a double team at him? And, I, and my solution would be, 
you may LeBron may beat us, but he's going to have to score fifty. The problem is, is when he gets around the basket, he's so damn deficient. And I and mm-hmm. I feel like the one guy that kind of always figured out how to guard him was uh, Tom Thibodeau, and he and he figured out where to kind of place guys to make LeBron shoot mid-range jump shots and limit his passing angles. But very few teams in the NBA have ever put five shoot five three-point shooters on the floor at the same time. And the Cavs have that with LeBron and, and say when they're playing Love or uh, um, Fry at the five. And, and it's just, it's so hard to guard, but, and you've got to just be super disciplined. And right. the other thing obviously would be to just try and, and beat him up, but people have been trying that for 12 years. So. Oh yeah, no, that doesn't, that never works out. Right. Um, so court, you know, along with that, LeBron has a career high in assists per game. Um, by more than one assist per game, despite the fact that this is, uh, you know, he's only playing 36 minutes a night. So back when he was playing 40 minutes a night, he was dishing out six, seven, eight assists. Now he's playing four less minutes and he's basically at 9.7 assists per game. Um, you know, EG, is this, is this the formula going forward? Like what we've seen, you know, Cavs had an easy schedule, so I don't want to make too many. Uh, yeah, I don't know uh, if it's been that easy. I mean, they well, played Toronto. Had, they played Toronto twice. Well, they've, they've had ten. A- they've had ten home games and five that's road true. games. That's yeah, but the the, yeah. the meat of their schedule is definitely coming up. Yeah, uh, look, I, I would say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, they well, right now they have the third worst strength of schedule. The only teams that have played a weaker schedule are the Warriors and the Bulls. So they've had a week schedule. <laughs> right. Well, um, look, I think I think obviously the thing that has to improve going forward isn't offensive at all. It's defensive. They they've been the, the they got they've got no problem scoring points. Even when they have off nights like or days like yesterday, they can eventually catch up against a team like Philly, who doesn't really have much to offer in the way of resistance. Um Although I will say that that is the you know just to just to talk a little bit about the previous point is that the one team that had success beating the Cavs full strength this year was Atlanta because you can't really count the Pacers game because LeBron didn't play but that what they have is you know and he's not what he used to be but with Dwight Howard in the middle a presence in the middle that can that can alter the drive and kick game and make it make it tougher on LeBron to get the ball to the shooters that he wants to. And I think he saw that a little bit with um, with Embiid in the middle with with Philly. Philly just doesn't have enough talent around Embiid, and Embiid's not, not – hasn't, uh, you know, kind of gr- grown up yet enough to be dangerous. But you can see where a team like that will be a – is a tougher – a tougher cover for the Cavs, which doesn't really help – Golden State at all because they have nobody in the middle that can really do that. Um, well, I I think Draymond's a better rim protector on. than you're giving him credit for. I I won't give Draymond credit for anything. I know you won't. I'm not asking you to. I'm just stating <laughs> for the audience. Nate, well, record, look, that's what, but they didn't do it. Look, that's what beat them last year though. They that's what the Cavs did. They went iso ball one on one and drove the ball at will, 
and got what they wanted that way and still got the ball out. To the, they didn't have a, a guy who can alter shots. I don't think Draymond's a shot alter. I think he's a good defensive, you know, small ball center at 6'8", but he's not a guy who's going to block a lot of shots. And he's not yeah, a guy that's uh, going to... Draymond's you know, a great one-on-one defender. He's not a great weak side help defender. No. I mean, he's, so, a, he's a solid Draymond. system defender, but he's not going to come erase shots from the weak side. Yeah. Very but look, odd. I don't think they've I, – I honestly, other than Shumpert, they haven't really locked in on defense much at all in any of no. these games. They have stretches where they focus and, you know, and smell blood in the water. And, like, they came out – they came out to put Dallas away early in that game. And they did – and they, they really – I mean, Dallas is, is not going to score a lot of points on you anyways. They're only averaging 91 and a half a game. But, but they – that was the first time I saw them give, like – I mean, they were – they were up 40 and they were still diving for loose balls. Like Kevin went into the stands for one. And I mean, that was, that was a, like a start to finish. Just, you know, they put their, enforce their will again, it's Dallas and they're going to have a lot tougher teams coming up. They played some good defense against Toronto in the two games they played against them. Um, but that's the, that's the side of the ball. They're going to have to improve as the season goes along and they're going to take some, they're going to take some bad losses. You know, it's inevitable. They're going to have off nights like they did, yesterday against the Sixers, but against a better team that that'll actually just blow their doors off and they'll just, you know, put, put the starters on the bench and, you know, and say, Hey, it's just another regular season game. Who cares? Cause I think they'll get a comfortable enough lead going out during the regular season to not have to worry about playing super hard on defense until at least the second half of the season, if not April. Awesome. Now, David, I want your take and then I want to play a little game called, sustainable or unsustainable so uh david eg ducked my question and went to talking about defense is <laughs> is this the new normal for the Cavs offense spread the floor lebron goes iso or he takes one pick and he either scores if he has a favorable matchup at a very efficient rate or he finds one of these shooters perfectly spotted up and the Cavs are going to continue to shoot, you know, like 40% from three and 40% of their shots are going to be threes. What do you think? Uh, I think it's pretty much going to be that way till the postseason. There's not really any coaches in the East that are smart enough to actually defend it. Cause it uh, what? If Brad Stevens isn't smart enough? No. Now, probably with the internet. Because he tried, like, Brad Stevens is going to try to get the ball out of LeBron's hand, but. Like how Nate was saying, you have to just be comfortable with LeBron going off for 50 or like how the Mavs covered him in uh, like when they won the title in 2011, they just sagged off and they let him like if he's going to hit the shots, that's fine, but they're going to get in his head if he's missing or how the Spurs kind of defended Miami where like any action involving LeBron in the pick and roll was a two man action. They just didn't help off at all. And that's how you're going to beat the Cavs. Like, if you don't want to give up open three-point shots, any pick and roll, you got to just – the two guys involved are the two guys who are going to stay involved rather than having help guys come over and then start the Cavs passing the ball to find some open shooter. Yeah. And right now, I don't think it's going to stop, honestly. I mean, they'll, I'm sure they'll have some, like, poor shooting nights. Like, against Atlanta, they shot poorly from the three – but at the same time, they weren't driving the ball as much because they got afraid of Howard. And then Atlanta wasn't collapsing, so they didn't have the totally open looks that they normally get. 
And part of Boston's problem is the way they're constructed of seven guards and seven power forwards. It's, <laughs> it, they don't have any wings. Uh, they don't have a lot of wings with size to guard LeBron. And then uh, got, their big guys don't like to step out on, on the other team's big guys, and their wings aren't big enough to or the guards aren't big enough to challenge the Cavs' wings out on the perimeter. So it's it's not an easy matchup for them, uh, you know, roster composition-wise. Although, Tom, I would say that does change every game in the fourth quarter when Kyrie comes in and does his ISO thing. Yeah, and there's been a lot made about the ISO thing. Um, Kyrie is averaging something like 1.3 points per possession when he's in isolation, which... Is, is absurd. I mean, that's the kind of thing where you say, just do it every time, man. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, as, I mean, like, not that that matters at all, right? I mean, Kyrie's finals performance and the shot, um, that gave him carte blanche to play however the hell he wants to play for years. And so the fact that he's actually good at it and, you know, it wasn't just a, a blip on the radar, um, means we're going to see a lot of that. And I think, the key is just that's all well and good, but on nights when his shot isn't falling, because we've seen nights like that, um, what's the solution? Is it to is it to not play Kyrie? Is it to kind of use him as a decoy? I, I don't know, but I mean, I'm maybe I'm looking at it glass half empty because right now he's playing outstanding. His fourth quarters have been as good as Kevin Love's first quarters have been good. And it, it really, the big three are, are playing at such a high level, it really feels like the Cavs' biggest concern going forward is just, you know, what do they do when LeBron's sitting or when, you know, Kevin Love and or Kyrie Irving aren't going off to kind of sustain it. Yeah, and, but, and the um, crazy thing is this is all going on with J.R. Smith in a pretty big oh, shooting slump. he's slide. in a huge slump, yeah. Yeah. And, okay, and for the last 22. And also that Mike Dunley. my next... Yeah, that gets me to my next. That gets me to my game. Sustainable or unsustainable? Um, all right. So we'll start, and I want all three of you to answer, and then I'll give my answers. We will start with the king, LeBron James. Um, LeBron is averaging almost ten assists per game. It's a it's a career high by a mile. Uh, We'll put the over the the sustainable unsustainable line at nine. So right now he's at nine point seven assists. Is LeBron's greater than nine assists sustainable or unsustainable, uh, Nate? Sustainable. E.g. Sustainable, absolutely. David. Sustainable. All right. Especially Easy. if they don't get a backup point guard. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think it's totally sustainable, especially since it's not like Kyrie Irving is getting no assists, right? And it's not like Iman Shumper is getting no assists. The Cavs are passing the ball um, very well. They're sharing it. Um, their assist to turnover ratio at home is um, number one in the entire NBA, which is really interesting because their assist to turnover ratio on the road is 25th. So <laughs> they've been much better at home. Um, but, uh, Smaller sample size on the road too, too, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, okay, I like it. Um, and I'm going to go with so I'm going to go with sustainable as well. If you couldn't tell that audience, 
So my next one is LeBron's rebounds. Um, he is averaging a career high, uh, 8.4 total rebounds a game. Is that sustainable or unsustainable, Nate? I'm going to say unsustainable. Hmm. Okay. Uh, mainly, mainly because I just, it, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like he needs to rebound that much for that team to be good, but, it, and it seems like the Cavs are still getting out rebounded a lot, but for whatever reason, they have three elite rebounders between he and Love and, uh, Tristan Thompson, Tristan. but, I, I don't feel like they need him to be a great rebounder for them to win, and he may take some nights off. But I mean, his—I have not seen nearly as many, uh, you know, just give up, let a guy score an offensive rebound. He just has a knack for knowing exactly where the ball's coming, off off the rim, and and that's something that great players and great rebounders have. I mean, you look at that one that he had last night, or I guess it was Sunday night. Uh, or Sunday afternoon, Tristan Thompson missed that free throw, and he crashed from the top of the three-point line and, and dunked oh, yeah. the putback, which was ridiculous. I haven't seen anybody do that since Jordan. I mean, he just yeah. knows where the ball's going to go. So, you know, I think physically not sustainable, but mentally sustainable. <laughs> That's a cop-out. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, EG. I'm going to say uh, it it's it possibly sustainable, but it won't won't be sustainable. I think to piggyback on what Nate said, rebounding takes effort, a lot more effort than, than making a pass. And you got to get in there and you got to, I mean, you get, I mean, he, LeBron usually gets about four or five rebounds a game just from being in and around the hoop. But like, you know, to get that extra four or five, you really kind of got to be in there, you know, fighting for the ball. And I think that's, you know, I, I think that's a little bit more effort than, you know, then he'd probably want to exert, uh, especially going forward, because I think he's playing a he's playing a lot now. But Ty Lue's already been on record saying he's gonna he's gonna really start to taper off the minutes uh, in the second half once they get a bit of a a lead in the conference. It sounds like so. Um, so I would say, yeah, it, it's it certainly is sustainable, but I don't think he'll I don't think he'll go for that because most of his triple doubles wind up short on the rebounds, not the assists or the points. All right, David, what do you think? Uh, I don't. I don't think he's gonna sustain it because he, he doesn't really care about the rebounds as much. He's talked about wanting to lead the league in assists before, and it, I think rebounds too for him. Like that's one of those things where he could be like, "Hey, like Tristan, you're getting extra rebounds or something." <laughs> like it's a very easy like like placating shit for like Tristan. Okay, so I'm gonna be the black sheep here and say I think it actually is sustainable for two reasons. The first is that um, he's doing nothing special when it comes to offensive rebounding. It's his defensive rebounding that um, you know has jumped from the previous uh, three seasons. And I think part of this is uh, I think LeBron is playing a little bit more free safety on defense than he ever has. And the Cavs are actually pushing the pace more this year than they have. They're, they're kind of like in, in the top half of the league as far as pace. And I've noticed very often 
Um, they love to run out, and and the goal is really to, off of misses. Yeah, and the goal is to get LeBron the ball as soon as possible. So every every time Tristan Thompson has to hand the ball off to LeBron, you know the Cavs lose that split second. So I've seen occasions where both Tristan and LeBron are going for the ball, and LeBron calls them off and takes it and heads down the court, and Kevin loves sprinting down the court, and the Cavs are trying to get into really quick offense. Also, I think, you know, there's going to be this whole, like, triple-double narrative around Russell Westbrook, and, um, you know, I, I think that LeBron, despite the fact that he's more in chill mode, he's playing less minutes, I think he really liked how last year um, he led the finals in every statistical category, and so I do think that when push comes to shove, if he can grab a couple more rebounds, he will. So I think right now he's at um, 8.4 total rebounds a game. And I'm saying sustainable that I think he can keep it above eight. So, all right, let's move away from the king. And um, let us move on to some other Cavalier topics. So uh, Kevin Love is shooting 40% on threes that are uh, between the wings. So they call them above-the-break threes, or you could think of them as more or less uh, spot-on threes. Last season, um, that number was 34%, and it constituted the vast majority of his shots, which we can all remember, right? Kevin Love stood at the top of the key, and he, that was where he hung out and where he shot threes. This season, it's not, um, he's not taking the vast majority of his shots from there. But when he is shooting from there, he's 22 of 55 for a really healthy 40%. So is that location and percentage sustainable or is he just hot right now, Nate? Uh, that's sustainable because his shot. I mean, it's both. He is he is hot, but his shot mechanics look so good this year. Uh, he's getting a ton of arc on the ball, super quick release, high release. And the other thing is, is the Cavs are just going to keep generating open shots. And there aren't a lot. There still aren't a ton of bigs in the NBA that are comfortable going out on him consistently and just staying camped out on him. And until they find those guys, it's not going to happen. He's going to get open shot after open shot. And that Cavs offense is just too good. It's completely sustainable. All right. Uh, EG. Um, I think it's not sustainable at that number. I think 40s, I think 40s, a, a lot to ask. Um, I do think he'll be much, I think he'll still wind up higher than 34 from last year. I think, I think it's a good stretch right now. I think, you know, it, it, things tend to even out, especially for, you know, I think as the year goes on and gets tougher, I still expect him to be in that like 37, 38 range. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll be at 40. Okay. And, uh, David, how about you? Uh, I think he'll go down a little bit, but that's just him averaging out. <laughs> Same thing as EG said. Okay. It's not, it won't be like last year. So I kind of think he'll drop very slightly. I don't, I don't think it's going to be. I'm almost tempted to just call it, you know, label it sustainable because I like, and a lot of this is just the inclusion of Channing Fry. I just like the way the Cavs move the ball around to get those um, shots at the top of the key. Last year, I felt like there was a lot of times 
Kevin Love um, just sort of fired and forgot from the top of the key. And then it would lead to what you guys were talking about earlier, where then he was like overthinking it and trying to pump fake his way to victory. And now I feel like, um, you know, he, he and Channing Fry step into that shot and, um, they just always seem to have some sort of daylight because of the way the Cavs offense moves, moves the ball, um, around. It seems like it, they really like to, to go into the teeth, um, kick out from the strong side to the weak side corner. And if, and if, if the uh, defense collapses really hard on that guy, it always seems to find its way back to the top of the key where it's wide open. So I think it actually is, is somewhat sustainable. Um, yeah, the ball is, is moving from the strong side to the weak side incredibly quickly. But, but I'm going to, I'm going to actually contradict my previous answer. Oh, here we and, go. And, and say no because, and part of the reason his percentages are up so bad is his last three games he's got, you know, 19 made threes against Philly, Dallas, and Portland, who are three of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. I mean, if you saw that Portland game where he had 34 in the first quarter, Portland did nothing to, like, change the way they were guarding him. They just expected him to miss. And good teams that are coming up on their schedule are not going to just let him shoot wide-open threes. So so I'm, I'm going to say, you know, maybe not sustainable because they don't get to play Philly, Dallas, and Portland every night. All right. Um, next question. So the Cavs, uh, without a real backup point guard, or I should just say the Cavs roster as currently constructed, sustainable or unsustainable for the long haul? Like, in other words, is David Griffin going to stick with this squad or is there going to be a like a major move for a rotation player at some point this season. Start with you, Nate. Um, there, there's going to be a move. The Cavs have too many salaries that aren't giving them anything between Dunleavy and Mo Williams and Jordan McRae. That's almost $7 million. Uh, you know, add DeAndre Liggins, it gets it up to $9 million almost. And you can get a decent player for that. Uh, somebody's gonna wanna dump salary. The, the, the problem is, do the Cavs have the assets to, to grab somebody and is that person gonna be worthwhile? I mean, do you, I'm not wild about adding a Deron Williams. I don't think he's gonna, a guy like that's gonna make a ton of impact. Um, either. I do feel like they could use one more quality big, uh, cause I haven't been that impressed with Birdman, but, uh, especially if they go up against Dwight Howard, who's playing really well this year. Or, um, you know, there's some decent, you know, Joel Embiid, uh, Porzingis. There's some decent centers. Probably not likely they're going to meet them in the Eastern Conference playoffs, but uh, you never know. I, except for Dwight Howard, I think he, he might be a guy. But, yeah, I, I think they're going to make a move, either for a big or another guard. Okay. How about you, EG? No, I think it's sustainable. Um, I, I don't think there's anybody... They're going to be able. I think it's. I think it's too early to give up on Dunleavy. I think Mo Williams eventually that situation will get resolved. In I what think, way? How, resolved how? I think. I think it'll get resolved because uh, I think there's some some deadline during the year where I think he's got. If he doesn't declare, they can they can 
Isn't it by like? Isn't it by like like January, February? They can do something. Yeah, there's, I there's I read a that medical the medical retirement. Yeah, uh, medical retirement. They'll 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 ditch Mo eventually somehow, and or they'll, they'll trade they'll him that and out. have somebody. Sure, you know, somebody else will buy him out. I just don't. I don't see there being a lot of big moves out there to make. Honestly, I mean, as Nate said, like, do you really want a Darren Williams? I mean, I I think they probably wait. Probably the reports are true. They're gonna wait to see how Chalmers is in January, sign him for the vet minimum. And, you know, and if they wind up having to send, you know, Felder down to Canton charge and see if they see what they can get for the, the poor showcasing of McRae they've had uh, this so far this season. But I, I think I, I actually, I'm a, so, a little surprised that they haven't given Felder a little bit more of a chance because he seems to have flashed a little bit when he's been out there and at least been, but maybe he's worse on defense than I'm even noticing when he's on the floor. Did any um, of you guys listen when uh, Dan Gilbert was uh, broadcasting? Yeah, he was really pushing hard for him. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> broadcasting with uh, Austin and Fred, and it was like, what do I got to do to get this guy in here? <laughs> How many people got to <laughs> What do well, we got to be I up think, by, 55? <laughs> I think but what I, we I, learned I, over the years a, oh, sorry. That, yeah. well, I was going to say owners and you know players and coaches and front offices – they don't all think in lockstep. So I'm not too surprised that Dan Gilbert is pining for something and the Cavs aren't doing it. But anyway, Actually, that makes see. me really happy that he doesn't like meddle that much. You know, yeah, he, he is not a Jimmy Haslam. No. He, he gets the hell out of the way, which yeah. is great. But, um, but yeah, just to put a fine point on it, I, I just don't I don't see there being. As in year in years past, there was that big there was that opportunity to get Chan, you. Look, Channing Fry. Sure, yeah, exactly. But I'm sure Griffin will surprise us because he always does. But it's not obvious right now who that guy is they could bring in for their spare parts. Tom, I got to ask you something. Okay, is your world yeah, yeah, yeah. cabrio going off? No, why? You, well, I keep maybe. hearing a beeping in the background. I know. I think someone. Oh, I think I think my girlfriend's microwaving. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or something. Okay. I was say. <laughs> it could be, but um, okay. So, David, well, that's a new game for next next. Is what on. is the sound from Tom? Name that beep. Yeah. <laughs> Name that sound. <laughs> uh, David, what's your take on? Uh, what were we taking on? Oh, the Cavs. Are they going to have the same roster, more or less, or is there going to be a new rotation player, a new challenger, as they say in Street Fighter? Oh, a guy that actually makes rotation? No way. I mean, no or, way. I mean, David Griffin does this every season. You think this is the year that he says, "Ah, yeah, I don't know." Yeah. Yeah. This so is the most here. comfortable LeBron's ever been. Like, because once the playoffs come, they're probably going to only be running. Iman Chumper, Richard Jefferson, and Channing Frye off the bench, and that's it. Well, like, that's I'll just, I'd like to throw this stat out to all y'all. Uh, last season, <laughs> when LeBron sat, the Cavs were negative uh, 4.8 points per 48 minutes, which is not great. It's pretty bad. This year, when LeBron sits, the Cavs are negative 7.5 points. So they're kind of getting thrashed when he sits. And now you're telling me, uh, in my best, uh, Lord Elrond voice. And now you tell me that Saruman has been, that Ty Lu is going to reduce LeBron's minutes. So 
My biggest concern with this team, I, I guess I, I know EG is concerned about defense. I'm not because I saw the team do nothing of worth on defense last year, and they played good enough defense when they needed to in the playoffs and the finals. So I'm just assuming they can flip that switch whenever they want. But I concerns, am concerns too strong a word, by the way. I have okay, to say, okay. I just pointed I, out that that's I something I have to get better at. That's all. Well, I think they need to get better at what I call the non-LeBron-based weapon. And I wrote about this early in the season. Um, you know, What do they do when LeBron's sitting? Because if he's sitting for uh, right now 12 minutes a game and he's going to conceivably sit a little bit more, I mean, that, that's, that's not great, right? I mean, unless you're just saying, well, they don't care. They'll win 55 games or 60 games and they don't care about breaking any kind of records. And in the playoffs, LeBron will probably play 40 minutes and they'll just deal with it. Or, or what? I mean, what? Where are we at here? Give me your. It, I, well, I don't know what I want to ask you guys, but <laughs> you just well, bring the, the interesting about that thing about that is is that's happening with Amon Shumpert actually playing very good basketball, and uh, it's happening with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love playing great basketball. Right. I mean, Amon Shumpert shooting forty eight percent from the field, forty six percent from three. Um, you know, two assists a game. You know, 1.5 turnovers a little high, but, you know, and his plus minus is right around zero. So, you know, they're not losing when Amon Shumpert's on the floor. I feel like a lot of it is, you know, part of me wants to look and see, okay, is it just garbage time that this is happening in? Uh, I, I wonder how much noise there is from, you know, just being up huge at the end of games. Um, but part of it is just these bizarre rotations that, Ty Lu seems to throw out. He doesn't. He hasn't figured out a non-LeBron rotation yet. Like he hasn't figured out a good unit to play without LeBron, where people aren't getting in Kyrie's way, but they're still effective. Um, it just it it hasn't materialized yet. And that, like that lineup they started the fourth with last night, where they had you know LeBron as point guard with Liggins and. Uh, Dunleavy and Jefferson and uh, Tristan Thompson. It was like, what is this lineup? They, they, a, these guys never play together, and B, it, it just looks like a terrible product out on the floor. So, I mean, I, I feel like Lou's searching a little bit still, and 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 they got they got to figure out something. Well, here's but the isn't problem. Isn't that what right? they're supposed to do at this point in the season? I mean, oh, isn't, absolutely. Isn't the, yeah. I'm, I'm not it's saying not that that's not a natural development. Yeah. Yeah. I well, here's the problem right so this has been the problem for every team that has ever had lebron james so there's two of them is that they're at their best when lebron is the focal point of everything but that makes it very difficult for these guys to play well when he's not in because they become more you know spot up shooters um you know lebron kind of forces people into roles that are most optimal for him on the court. And then you take him away and it just, it makes it a lot more difficult for those guys uh, to, you know, throw in like a Richard Jefferson or something to be that effective because now you're asking them to be more isolation, to dribble more, to do all kinds of things that maybe if, you know, they had a whole season, they would be good at it. But just given the way the Cavs practice and the way they play, it doesn't work well. It's why, it's why I got so frustrated when after LeBron left for Miami and the Cavs were so terrible, 
everyone was like, see, see, we knew that team was so awful. And look at how many they can't win any games. And it's like, no, look, this is just what happens. Like a lot of these guys are good players. Um, they yeah, were, they, they were, you pl- just removed the highest usage player in the NBA. Exactly. The so, uh, you know, like, uh, I mean, uh, having a guy like Anthony Parker is great when you got LeBron James finding him. It's, he's not great when you're asking him to create. And the Cavs purposely got rid of guys like Larry Hughes over the years and added guys that were better role players. And the Heat, in my opinion, did as well. They turned Chris Bosch into more of like a spot up shooter on offense. Um, and so, I don't, I guess I don't know if it's a problem. I just, I, what I see right now when LeBron's not on the court is kind of alarming. And here's the other thing. So in 133 minutes, um, with LeBron on the bench and Kyrie Irving on the court, the Cavs are negative 17. Um, so it's not like they're getting destroyed, but that's not great. And so, you know, my hope was that, well, you just turn the ball over to Kyrie and hope for the best, but, I don't know. I, I feel like last year at so, at a certain point, the Cavs had something with like Delhi and some bench mob because he would run that pick and roll kind of downhill and try to find someone like Tristan Thompson. And it was like it was like they at least had an effect. They had a plan, you know, and they had an effective uh, go to move with a couple counters. And sometimes it worked great, and sometimes it kind of stalled out. But there was something there. And I'm not. I'm just not sure right now. Yeah, or what even that, the year before when Shumpert was playing really good defense, and they would split the court between Delhi and Shumpert, and they would just kind of have that defensive terror unit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, they, their second, their non-LeBron unit doesn't have uh, an identity. And I almost right, feel like, right. yeah, yeah, that's I, exactly what I'm trying to say. I could have just said that, but I. <laughs> thank you. I kind of feel like they should almost do what Philly did with Allen Iverson. And just get four really good defensive guys out there and just kind of let Kyrie do his thing. Like, the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was about to say, I completely agree with that. Cause they're trying to have Kyrie actually like lead the second unit sometimes. And it's the same thing with love. Like they're trying to have both of them play how they play when LeBron's on the floor rather than letting them play how they play like their natural style kind of. Right. Right, because Kyrie's not great at feeding love in the post. I feel like the best unit might be like Kyrie, Liggins, uh, Amon Shumpert, Tristan Thompson, and then like I almost wish they had one more real good defender to put out there with them, like a, another three and D guy, and and just run that lineup and you know do a lot of ball pressure you know, really try and tighten the screws defensively and, and work that way. But so Liggins, like I'm on the two man combinations thing. Uh, Kyrie's with Liggins and Shumper is like the worst assist combination <laughs> for them. So, I mean, it makes sense. That's when he's like ISOing probably and doing his thing. Right. But exactly. it's the best steals combination for him. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what so, I'm saying. Because Kyrie is a is a pretty good opportunistic uh, defender, you know, at going for steals and that kind of thing, and he and he's still a good ISO player. And I mean, you're seeing part of what I'd like to see is that ISO role that Jordan McRae sucks so bad at uh, go to Kyrie. I mean, you know, you heard my new nickname for him is Orange Fago. 
<laughs> Why? Why? Explain that. Instead of orange, orange mamba, he's orange bago. I like orange Julius. <laughs> no, see, that to me is like Doctor J. Orange bago is even worse than orange Julius. No, orange Julius is that garbage you get at the mall. I like orange Julius. It's got real juice. <laughs> that's a Dairy Queen subsidiary. Uh, Dude, upgrade to Jamba Juice. Even that's like old. <laughs> I don't live in California. We don't have Jamba Juice. So, have yeah. you guys had those new? Um, they're like a. It's like a huge iPad that dispenses your your soda, and you can choose like <laughs> yeah. ten thousand different flavors. So oh, today yeah, I did a test. I tried the Diet Dr Pepper, and I tried it with all four flavors. And I can just tell you, always go for the strawberry. It is superior <laughs> to the other three flavors by a mile. And I thought it was going to be cherry. And Terry was kind of eh, and I had strawberry, and it was like I might never go back. It was really <laughs> good. Dr Pepper. Yeah, strawberry. Well, it was diet, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, this podcast is getting long in the tooth, which is ironic because I have a dentist appointment tomorrow to fix a to fix. No, listen, I have a dentist appointment to fix a chipped tooth, so I'm going to get my tooth elongated tomorrow. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> long go. tooth is a good thing. It is a good thing. I need my tooth to be longer. So, um. I don't know what else we want to talk about. I mean, it seems like it, the, with the Cavs, it's kind of like like no news is good news. I mean, I shouldn't say I was that. Surprised, well, I was surprised you didn't, with the sustainable, unsustainable, talk just about general record. Oh, okay. Well, I guess general record. I mean, the Cavs are 13-2. and two. I think all of us don't think they're going to keep up that pace, but um, maybe some of you do. I'm going to say unsustainable. I think they're going to win – Less than five more games than they won last year. It's going to look a lot like last year. But what do you think, EG? Uh, I actually think they're going to – I think they'll top 60. Okay. Well, last year they won 57. So as long as they don't win more than 62, I'm, I'm good with my prediction. Oh, wait. Oh, I thought you said five less. No, I said they won't – oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I said, oh, oh, got it, got it. Okay. So I don't. I think sixty is the. I think sixty is the floor. I was doing common. I was doing common core math. Got it. Okay. So I was always bad. I was told there would be no math. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would say the floor is sixty, and I think sixty-five is in reach with with how they've started. Okay. Um. So that's. I mean, they're thirteen and two, so they're they're way ahead of that pace, but. Yeah, I mean the next ten days is going to tell us a lot because that's there. I mean, will it though? Does any ten is any ten days going to tell us a lot about this team? Well, it's going to tell us whether that that pace is sustainable or not. I mean, okay, you, well that's that's fair. true. No, that's because there's saying. a lot on the road. There's well, I mean, a lot if they on go the road nice and there's Clippers. a lot of really good teams, and they got L.A., Chicago, Toronto, New York, Miami, Charlotte, Memphis, uh, and then you know, getting into the end of December, they got the big Golden State game. What? You know, they they got a pretty tough December. So what team out of those next ones you named do you think can beat them besides the Clippers set? Um, I think Toronto in Toronto has proven they can beat them. Chicago in Chicago, I, I don't think is an easy victory. Uh, New York is not a team that rolls over and all, always gets up for LeBron. So <laughs> Every team. <laughs> they roll uh, over tonight, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They fought for oh, like three and a half quarters, and then it was I, like, oh, wait, what happened to the Knicks? 
I guess they got just, one of those weird back to backs against Memphis where they play in yeah, Cleveland and then they home and home. Memphis. Yeah. I, they'll probably split that. Um, yeah. Memphis is pretty good other than tonight. I mean, I could, I could see them going, you know, five and five, four and six, but my, my point is like, does that really tell us anything? I mean, well, it, just, it tells it, us whether that's good. I mean, it tells me whether my preseason prediction of 74 and eight is going to happen. So, so my preseason <laughs> prediction, prediction of 80 and two for the, uh, Warriors is still intact, by the way. That is that is intact. So, although they're losing tonight against Atlanta, that, the, okay. So the Cavs, I'm like confident about the Cavs right now. I'm saying seventy wins. Holy crap! Seventy? Like, I said yeah. seventy four, and you didn't say holy crap. You well, just not I, believe a word that comes out of my mouth. No, I, <laughs> I, I just you're like I just ignore it. It's, you're being crazy. But no, the Cavs are they're coasting. Wait a minute, David. But, How's he being crazy, but your prediction of 70 is totally lucid? It's well, like I've, kind I've of the same. I've witnessed 13 games now. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, they've had the third easiest schedule. They've That's had, good, you, they've had yeah. good health other than, you know, of course, it's obviously really tragic that Channing Fry is out right now. And oh, he'll be yeah. back, but... I mean, they, I they could run into some health issues at some point. The, okay, so the Cavs, if we've learned one thing about them, they, like, play down to their opponents. So I'm saying them playing the easier schedule and they're actually doing well, that's, like, a really good sign for them. They get up for the bigger games. Yeah, they're right. winning on cruise control. Yeah. I was a little nervous about where you're going at that point, but you that was a great point. Yeah, I think they're, that's true. And here's the other thing about the Warriors, just because they're not going to go 80-2. Draymond Green is crazy. He's going to implode this season. Like, we're just waiting for it to happen. I'm just not sure it'll matter. You know, yeah, I mean, Dennis Rodman was crazy. I'm not sure it'll matter crazy. either, yeah. But it's definitely going to matter. Dray- I think Draymond's the most important guy on that team. I, uh, I Kevin Durant would disagree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kevin Durant disagrees, but who's making the second pass? You they know. don't need to pass. <laughs> <laughs> they only need they, one pass. <laughs> they've rendered the pass obsolete. I don't know. I think Draymond Green's really important for that team. He is. Kevin, no, he is. Kevin Durant's a good passer, but if you're running pick and rolls with him, you can just bash Kevin Durant out of place. The guy's a string bean. I think but, Kevin. I think I personally think that Draymond Green was their most important player last year. I just think that Durant's the most important player this year. And I, I really hope you're right, David. I mean, I read, um, Ethan Sherwood Strauss's article, which was outstanding. I, yeah, I used to, I used to oh, not feel that, that was a great, yeah. I, I had a, I had a issues with that guy way back, but I have to tell you what, he is one of the most talented young NBA writers, I think, in existence right now. Um, and he is outstanding on podcasts. Like just, he is really good. So even though I don't, Golden Even though State. I don't agree with him a lot, I, uh, you know, I, real recognize real, right, guys? So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I read his whole thing about Draymond Green. And I mean, I hope, you know, that they implode and he puts Steve Kerr, you know, gives him more gray hair and, and, and something happens. But I don't know. I mean, I think winning kind of cures all of that kind of stuff, you know? I don't think Draymond's the one that they need to worry about right now. It's Clay. It's Clay. Every yeah, time right I you 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 watch Durant when he's got the ball at the top of the top of the arc, and it's like, hey, I could take, I could pass it, or I could take a thirty-five foot three and make it. And you just look and see Clay just 
standing on the wing and just looking like, dude, I'm open. Like, They're gonna give, me the ball, the give me the ball meters. once in a you while. You see Clay Thompson the, giving him the, the Dion he's Waiters on, wave. He's on waiters. Seriously, watch for it. Turn on turn on the game right now. I'm sure he's doing what it. Chan- against what Atlanta. Uh, I think it is it on ESPN? No, not ESPN. Um, I think it's on NBA TV. Maybe it's not on NBA TV. No, oh, then it's probably only on. It's on League uh, Pass, probably. League Pass, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, or local TV. Hawks are up forty-eight, forty-four with uh, three minutes to go in the first half. <laughs> oh, I have a, I have a good uh, trivia question involved in this game. Okay, so which one of these players shattered the backboard? Oh. Uh, I heard someone today. Um, oh, the guy that oh. dated uh, Kardashian shattered yeah. the back. Chris Humphreys. Humphreys? Yeah. 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 Of course he did. Or I said dated. He married Kim Kardashian. That's For true. like a month, right? Yeah. Like yeah. six yeah. weeks. Still, All right. So I've had I, enough. I heard a crazy talk. story the other day. <laughs> oh, okay. never mind. I haven't had enough. Tell me, Nate. Uh, I heard a story about a girl shattering a backboard. Um, is yeah. it like a real NBA quality, or is it like a Brittany Griner? No, she or... played for Duke. I'm trying to look her up. This but is... it was like a. It wasn't like a weird practice hoop. It was like a legit. No, it was. It was in a warm up, but it happened, and they in. Uh, and uh, well, so first things first. She's dunking. So, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of big deal in and of itself. And she yeah. shattered it? Yeah, when she I look shattered this, it. There's some girl who's called the Shaq of women basketball players. The female Shaq. But that was two years ago. The Shaq attack. Michelle Van Gorp was her name. And uh, so the girl that assistant coaches, uh, or the one of the coaches for my daughter's basketball team played with her in AAU and said uh, she... Wait, 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 wait. First of all, you have an assistant coach. We have two assistants. You have two assistant coaches. I'm one of for them. Your, yeah. For your girls' basketball team, and one of them played AAU basketball. Yes. So it sounds like she is more qualified than you to lead this team. Yeah, she. I. I'm not a head coach. I'm. I'm an. She's the. T- she's your Tyron Lue. Uh, no, I am not a head coach. I am. The, oh. Uh, okay. I'm the Larry Drew. Are you the is, Are you the video coordinator? Oh, okay. You're the Mike Brown. I'm actually are you the Mike Brown. I'm, I'm kind of the shooting coach. So, oh, you're the Chris Jen. Okay, nice. Well, <laughs> or Mark was, Price. You know, I I took a lot of shots with you on the court at the queue. And uh, do as I say. All, I, as all I, I can say is you better you better bring in some some second opinions on the <laughs> on the shooting. Why, hey, fire. just because I'm old and arthritic doesn't mean I can't tell doesn't people how to shoot. Beef? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, oh, what did I want to talk about? I wanted to talk about Westerns because at Thanksgiving, <laughs> EG, my whole yeah. family is heaping praise on me for um, for your Doctor Strangelove. That's not a Western. But I had to tell them that it was not I, but it was you that wrote that piece. Um, I guess they just assumed that I wrote every piece. I was like, I haven't been writing any pieces lately. You got to look and see who the author oh, is. If if they're over fifty, they definitely assume that. That's what my mom yeah. thinks too. Yeah. Well, tell well, them thanks, thanks for me. 
that's good and bad, you know, because every time like EG writes a piece, it's like, man, you guys almost think I'm awesome. And then every time Nate writes something, it's like, man, what's going on with your blog these days? <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, you're so, so left these days, Tom. So, 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 EG, we started, uh, we started talking about movies and then they started talking about westerns. And then I brought up because they said that the best western ever is the movie, The Outlaw Josie Wales. Outlaw Josie Wales. I have not seen it. I've not seen it, but there was a really good, like, biopic on Michael Jordan. Is biopic the right word, or does that only happen to someone? Okay. You're putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Oh, biopic. Yeah, okay. Um, On Michael Jordan. And they talked about how he watches the outlaw Josie Wales, like, every night before he goes to bed. Yeah. Because it was his father's favorite movie. Yeah. And so they were like, they were like, what? Really? That's awesome. They didn't know that. But so then they saw the Magnificent Seven remake. And my dad was saying the author that, or the, the director that did that did another movie recently, which was a Western, I think. No, maybe not. I can't remember what it's called, but. Wait, the director of the new one? Antoine Fuqua? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's done a lot of movies. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll tell you. How do I spell it? I'll tell you which one. Fuqua? F-U-Q-U-A? Okay, I'll tell you what movie, the other movie he did that my dad was like, okay, so he based the ending of both of these movies on, oh, The Equalizer. Okay, so he said if you watch the ending of The Equalizer and the ending of The Magnificent Seven, it's just like the ending of some old Western called Something Rider. What's the movie? Hail Rider? Hail Rider? Yes. With Clint Eastwood, another Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Yes. So, do you do you uh, do you buy that hot take? Movie hot take? <laughs> that was that was convoluted, my friend. Um, I I will say that I have while I have seen the most recent uh, Magnificent Seven, I never did wind up seeing the Equalizer, so I don't know. But okay. yes, I would say that the ending of the of the Magnificent Seven has at least a little bit of Pale Rider in it. Oh, this yeah. dude did. Training Day. Yeah. And King Actually, Arthur. I love that movie. <laughs> what? That's such a weird two movies to be done by the same person. He's done well, a lot of Training Day. Was amazing. Yeah. I saw that in theaters. But I love the movie King Arthur, the 2004 ish one with uh, Clive Owen. I thought it was outstanding. So it works a lot works a lot with Denzel now that, that Tony Scott's no longer with us. So he's kind of his go to guy when Denzel doesn't direct himself. Do you get into westerns when you approach like thirty five? Is this something that's coming <laughs> I've to me? Or... Been into westerns because my dad was like, into westerns. I saw yeah. Bone Tomahawk. I thought that was a cool movie. But I well, mean, my the greatest born. western of all time is Unforgiven. I mean, that's... well, see, they both said Outlaw Josie Wales, and they thought Tombstone was up there. Tombstone is great. It's more of an action flick than a western. But Tombstone's under underrated. But I wouldn't put it in the same category. Okay. Yeah. No. I, that's what I was about to say. Tombstone's more of an action movie. That. Well, yeah. It's more pop. You know, more poppy and of its yeah. time. 
yeah. as opposed to something like like Unforgiven was kind of kind of timeless, like a modern classic. And then right. Outlaw Jim's the Wales is a is an is an actual classic. But yeah, they don't make a lot of westerns. Although they they sort of did like the um, I don't know if you guys saw Hell or High Water. It's not really a western, but it's kind of like a modern day western almost. I saw the preview. Oh. Was it good? Yeah, a really good movie. If you get a chance to see it, check it out. Okay. The two westerns, um, contemporary westerns that I've seen, and I love them both, are Open Range, yep, um, which was with uh, Kevin Costner. It was one of his good movies, right? He only makes <laughs> yep. he only makes great movies or terrible movies. And um, Three Ten to Yuma, yeah, I know you're Three Ten to Yuma. That was a good one. Remake. I love that. That's probably my favorite movie. Um, but yeah, David, I think my my uncle, who's a movie buff, summed it up. Westerns are about really cool characters saying really cool things. And who doesn't love that? Yep. That that's like the most male male genre ever then. Oh totally. Well look at the guys that started <laughs> that, that genre. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I guess uh, that's true. John you know, Wayne. Um, John Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's I Westerns. Westerns are awesome. Uh there's a great podcast out. Uh, I, I recommended to EG the other day called uh, Movie oh, Sign, yeah. Movie Sign with the Mads, and they've got a uh, magnificent episode that they do a. They usually t- tend to rotate between a current movie and a classic movie, and it was kind of funny the same week that EG wrote his uh, his great uh, Doctor Strangelove piece. I actually listened to their podcast on Doctor Strangelove, and they're both they're both very, both EG's piece and Doctor and that podcast are very good. On yeah. SoundCloud, really, yeah, it's really good. Really, really. Oh, you, you, did you listen to that? Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, uh, so it's called Movie Sign, and uh, they they bring in a lot of movie uh, trivia and uh, background of the writers and directors and everything. So uh, it, it's really cool. You can catch it out on on SoundCloud. So that's my pitch of the week, dude. I could have been Antoine Fuqua. He <laughs> is an, uh, He went to school. He went to school for electrical engineering, and he wanted to fly jets in the military, and that didn't work out. So then he became Antoine Fuqua. So I just haven't made that I'm decision. I'm pretty sure yet. he was Antoine Fuqua before that. Well, I mean, the guy we now know as Antoine Fuqua, the oh, one okay. that directs movies. Yeah, that Antoine Fuqua. But man, yeah, I like like all this guy's movies that I've seen. Anyway, I have not seen. Wait, Southpaw? That must be a boxing movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. Is it Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's one of those it's movies a... I hated the trailer though, because you watch the trailer and you've seen the whole movie. Yeah, it's give it all. Give it all. Yeah. Oh, the worst movie ever for that was what's the Italian got job. To do... No, what's the Italian love got job. to do with it? No, in the Italian in the trailer they show you how they finally stole the vault of money. <laughs> Is that with Mini Coopers? Is that the yes? They show them like blowing the floor so that it falls through into like the sewers or whatever. So when it happened in the movie, I was not surprised. Like, oh, that's how they did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Are you ridiculous. You had this in the trailer. Yeah. PG, what's your worst? Um, or what's what's the best movie with the most misleading trailer that you can think of? EG. Huh. Best movie with the most misleading trailer, man. Um, like some weird, weird, like artsy film, like Pie or something like that. <laughs> yeah, Pie would be a great. Like, <laughs> well, there's no way you can even watch any trailer for Pie and know what the movie's about because you can watch yeah, the whole movie and true. not know what it's about. Is that the Darinowski film? Yeah, like, Darinowski. Yeah. yeah, the one that's even weirder than Requiem for a Dream. 
<laughs> no, Requiem for a Dream is a good movie. Oh, it's a great okay. movie. I, it's I backed into that. That's a hard. That's a hard tough. That's a tough watch though. It's only yeah. really a one or two watch movie. Yeah, exactly. They, I wasn't even referring yeah. to that movie, but I they was made just, a watch that in high school. What's is it called? The Life of Pi? What's the no? What's life the, no, it's just Pi. 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 Uh, life yeah, of Pi is about the kid, the Indian yeah, kid, yeah, the tiger. Yeah, that's what. That's what I was trying to. Uh, <laughs> I would say Dark City is a one where the trailer was not nearly as interesting as the movie. Like, the trailer for Dark City, they didn't know how to market it, because it's like this weird film noir, sci-fi, dysutopian future, and yet the trailer was like, oh, there's aliens. You know, it was was (laughs) not a very good trailer at all for how cool the movie was, but, yeah, I I would say Dark City would be a good one. Yeah. Well, we had one that that I... Worked on briefly. Uh, was a movie called Chronicle that we. It was okay, the, yeah. the the trailer really didn't tell you much of anything, and then the movie was actually turned out to be pretty cool. Yeah, so, the 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 movie is like a kind yeah. of one of those found footage movies about yeah. uh, some guys Kids that get, get super- superpowers. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. the 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 trailer kind of told you nothing. We lost a lot. We lost a lot of money on that probably oh, okay. because they didn't market it very well. So. Yeah. Well, I told you how, um, or remember, I, did I tell you that story about how when my wife, we, we were like in labor and I was trying to find like a, like a lighthearted movie that I, I did that on one of the podcasts, right? Yeah. Okay. So I went to similar, but totally different. Um, <laughs> I wanted to take her to a lighthearted chick flick years ago. And that movie, uh, saving Mr. Banks with about, you know, with Tom Hanks plays Walt Disney. Oh Yeah. So I thought that would, based on the trailer, it seemed like it was going to be very lighthearted. It showed just like him taking her to Disney World and there was this like warm, uplifting music and her laughing. And it was like, okay, so it's just like this nice story. And then they don't, I don't think they show you much at all. The whole like Colin Farrell part where, you know, she's got the, the alcoholic father and everything. And that movie was very deep and emotional and, you know, spoiler alert like when her mom you know tries to walk into the the lake i mean that i mean my wife's a mother so this was like oh my gosh like this is a really intense movie wow, had no idea and yeah and i mean i just thought that it was like gonna be really lighthearted, and it wasn't lighthearted at all so like that that fits the criteria but i don't <laughs> that, know that people clicked on this soundcloud link to listen to us talk about movies well, a half Hope, hour if, about if movies did, and a half hour if, about if the did, Buckeyes. you know bonus right does, does yeah. anyone know that collateral beauty movie is that going to be any good because the trailer for that also makes no sense yeah. yeah it looks like some kind of weird um what's that movie that came out like a decade ago that all the chicks love um Love actually, it looks like something weird like that where there's all these, disparate- but not nearly as much fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's it a real downer, and definitely not seen in it. Remember that? Yeah, I like picture it as I am Legend for some reason, which like completely <laughs> I am Legend the whole rom com. <laughs> yeah, like it completely taints the whole thing because all I think is it's going to be Will Smith like by himself or something. The start of I Am Legend is like the first Matrix movie and the end is like the other two Matrix movies. It's like <laughs> he had so much potential and it just kind of blah, kind of no, just faded. go back and watch um, Omega Man with Charlton Heston instead of watching <laughs> I Am Legend. 
because it's a ten times better movie. Yeah. Based on the same book. Omega Man's great, yeah. Oh, you know what movie was the opposite, Tom? The movie that that where the trailer was seemed really cool, and the movie was just like on borderline unwatchable. Was um, Sucker Punch? Remember that movie from oh, yeah. Zack Zack Snyder, the guy that did most recent uh, Batman Superman movie? But well, that should have been our first. Oh, because this is older than that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but that, but it was because he did three hundred. And he did 300, oh. he did The Watchmen, and it was like, oh, wow, from the guy that brought you these, this should be really cool. And it was a great title, and the trailer yeah. was cool, and then you, I went and saw the movie, and I was like, I can't make heads or tails of this. Yeah, yeah, and it has Jenna Malone in it, who, who is one of my all-time favorites. So. Yeah. yeah uh, you must have liked her in Hunger Games, Nate. I, I did. There wasn't enough uh, Jenna Malone in Hunger Jenna Games. Jenna Malone? You need more Jenna Malone? I did need more Jenna Although... I'll t- I'll take all of the um oh who's the star what's her name I can't think of her name oh Jennifer Lawrence I'll take all the Jennifer Lawrence I can handle so <laughs> we'll enjoy Passengers then because it's pretty much all just her and Chris Pratt that well, movie coming out Christmas yeah it looks cool and and you know yeah it, and it looks like that's all it is too bone, so. yeah yeah like that trailer I thought revealed way too much yeah but. I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole story. I mean, there's one big twist, but you can probably figure it out if you pay attention. Have you seen it already? Or? Uh, no, I, I read the script. Oh, okay. okay. So have, you, have, you, have any of you watched Arrival yet? Yeah. I, I really enjoyed Arrival. I did too. A little bit long in the tooth, but I liked it overall. A little bit long <laughs> Speaking in the tooth of. And a little bit <laughs> uh, suffering from the same kind of problem that. Um, Oh, Interstellar suffered from? No, yeah. that was flawless. <laughs> well, then you would like in, you would like Arrival then. If you like okay. Interstellar, you'll like Arrival. What was it like Interstellar? Don't say the don't say the ending. No, it's more like Contact, David. If you remember uh, that from the Jody Fisher movie. I watched that movie for three hours to find the find out the alien was your damn father. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Spoiler guys, alert. let's um, let's end this podcast. Let's wrap up this podcast by giving David three things he has to look forward to um, after he eclipses. Uh, he said, what did you say, 35? Yeah. I'm almost, I'm 32. I'll pretend I'm older. So. Oh, you're old. I, I thought you were older than that. No, thank you. Let's give David three things uh, that he has to look forward to as he approaches old age. Nate. Um... Going to a uh, concert and not knowing how old the women are and feeling like a creep. <laughs> That's a great one. That's a great one. That's like, a really you, go, you, you reach a certain age where you like will go to a concert and you're like, okay, that woman is very attractive, but I don't know if she's 17 or 25, and I just feel like a creep. <laughs> you know. Oh. All right, I'll give you one. Um, your your dad bod. Everyone, every dad is a dad bod. <laughs> Nate's got one. I've got one. E.G., e- yeah, you kind of have one, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay. The belly, the belly isn't what it used to be. Yeah. I mean, right, curls for girls, there's no reason to work out once once you're old. And, and, you know, you just do what you got to do at that point. It's not like you don't have to overachieve anymore. Okay. E.G. E- uh, this will go back to Tom's predicament tomorrow. No matter how much you take care of your teeth, 
after 35, you're just going to have problems. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, we live in the U.S. of A. and we have um, fluoride. Dental, our- dental plans. And yeah. In our water. <laughs> yeah. That's plans. right. Florida. Yeah. Florida nation. Yeah. Yeah. At so least, if you're living in the until, UK. Uh, Trump takes over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get rid of fluoridation. Is that it? Uh, <laughs> All right. Hey, next one. What oh, the look? next one to look forward to is your prescription for your glasses changing like every two years. And you're going to go, you're going to lose distance vision. Then you'll lose up close vision. Then you'll lose some <gasps> distance vision. Then you won't be able to see at night. Then you'll lose more close up vision. And then eventually you'll need cataracts. And then eventually you'll be blind. Yeah, that's bad for me because I'm already pretty much blind. Yeah. All right, I got a good one. This has already happened to me. You're going to meet the standing at work demographic, and you're initially, if you're not a total douche, going to probably make fun of them. And then one day, you're going to throw out your back. And it's not going to be like when you're younger and you throw out your back, and it hurts for like 12 hours, and then you're nice and spry the next day. Your back's going to be so messed up that for like two weeks, you're going to have to stand at your desk and you're going to join the standing desk demographic. (laughs) I thought you worked for the government, not a startup. I don't. I had to, I had to take my desk and stick it on top of a bunch of reams of paper and stand for two weeks. Like a plot out of the office. (laughs) This is ridiculous. And the reason is because I was building a snowman and I was overdoing it and the midsection of the snowman was way too big and that was He was given the snowman dad bod and yes. I, and that created the fault line and then I laid down and watched the calves or I sat in my you know couch and watched the calves and I didn't move for like 3 hours and then when I suddenly got up because I needed to go to the store to get milk I felt a rip <laughs> Two weeks, I could not. It was it was unbearable, and I remember doing that like ten years ago when I was bench pressing, and I laid prostrate on the floor for like twelve hours, and I woke up in the next day and I ran like five miles. So <laughs> you just don't recover when you get older. It just yep. takes longer. All right, eg, next one. Oh man, well, so many of mine have to do with kids. So David, it depends on whether or not you have kids. I have two dogs, which <laughs> it's like having one child, probably. Mm. Pretty much the same thing. Uh. <laughs> Dude, here's the thing. I had to take my dog to the vet this, this week because he had to get six teeth pulled, and we originally thought it was a stomach problem. And they told me at the vet, they said, they said, do you want to get an EKG and blood work done? And I said, how much is that? And they said, about $1,000. And I said, how much does it cost to put the dog down? <laughs> That's the difference between having dogs and kids. Yep. Oh, man. EG, I made the mistake years ago. My cat suddenly pee. And I knew it was a problem. I took it to the hospital, and they're like, well, we can do one of three things. Your cat has, a, has urinary blockage. First thing, we can, you know, put it to sleep, um, you know, humanely. Second thing is we can clear it out, give it some antibiotics, and it'll probably recover. Third thing, we can do this, like, full-on Obamacare for cats. Like, this cat was getting everything. <laughs> it was getting, like, a three-night stay at a posh hotel. And it was like, yeah. And so I, the prices were $70, $400, or $1,500. I went with the 400 
and my cat refused to eat or drink after that. And after about two weeks, it just, you know, withered away to nothing and just, you know, left. Yeah. It was very sad. My poor cat, Smeagol. You know, what's, no uh, you know what's funny, Tom? What? You, you, you didn't fall for the price expectation con with the gutter bot, but you did with the cat. Because no. <laughs> I was a younger man. That's the other thing. Once you get above a certain age, you learn how to deal with all the people trying to get your money. Because what I've learned is the older you get, the more people ask for your money. Yep, I yeah, assume you're more gullible. So here's well, the I biggest just, thing, David. I get like three things in the mail a day that are just like, please give us money. And a lot of them are very noble. It's so, just so David, sort of, how many, how many times like does limit. Syracuse call you? Like a week? Uh, they Not a week anymore. They call a couple times a year. And I'm like, I got a liberal arts degree, so I work in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not helping you out. Like, <laughs> Well, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure Kent calls me twice a month. I, oh, yeah. Amazingly, I'm always eating. So, <laughs> well, I made the mistake of answering the phone for the University of Akron once, and they don't leave me alone now. They call me daily. <laughs> yep. So the the moral of the story is, David, once you get to past thirty five, don't answer your phone. <laughs> oh, that's very true, and you have the advantage of having a cell phone. If you don't know that number, do not pick up that phone. Yep, that's true. Screen all calls. So here's the biggest advice I could give you. You spend the first half of your life collecting stuff. You spend the uh, last half of uh, your life trying get to get rid, rid of, of it. Stuff. That's very true. Because I I am like I have all this stuff now that I spent my first 40 years gathering. I don't know when I'm going to find the time to just clean out my basement and get rid of all this junk. Yeah. It's just and there's no time to get rid of it either. It's just it nope. never ends. I don't know. That's a great one. And I will piggyback on that and say, I, I did the whole like, yeah, I'll take your free couch. Yeah, I'll take your free, <laughs> you know, filing cabinet. Yeah, I'll take your free waffle iron. No, you know, why not? It's free. I can find some use for it someday. And that is very true. You get to a point where that stuff starts to pile up and it's just stressful. <laughs> and so if you can head, if, if head that off in any way and try to like only buy nice stuff that you actually need when you need it and just kind of defer all the, Hey, you sure you don't want like a third queen size bed? Like it's, (laughs) it's free. (laughs) Yeah. And that, that is great advice. The the greatest advice is if it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I have a large collection of unicorn stuff right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like accumulated that started out as a joke at first. And then I kind of got into it and then, just started looking for it. Wait, this isn't a euphemism. This is you like got into unicorns? unicorns. Yes, yes. I'll, uh, I'll send you guys pictures of the velvet paintings later. No, are dude, they, dude, are they NSFW? Do an article on your unicorn collection. No, no, they're they're totally safe for everybody. <laughs> People of all ages enjoy unicorns. They're uh, they're a great animal. You know who yeah. else enjoys unicorns? My six year old. They're a cool animal. A unicorn. They are swam, not an animal. They are a mythical being. <laughs> no, dude. Okay. Chris Tapp's Porzingis exists. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of unicorn big men in the NBA right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this uh, podcast has gone full circle. And oh, it, it, this, all right. Tom, this podcast is getting a little long in the horn. I know. And I here I set out on a journey to keep it short. 
And, you know, it always, all our podcasts end up the same way. We, we, we should just learn by now. Okay. Um, so, David, don't worry. We'll be here as your guide through these tumultuous decades. Your, your formative years. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nate, Nate's basically going to tell me how to deal with, um, you know, teenage girls. I mean, I'm just, I'm about a decade behind him, so I'll learn all the lessons that (laughs) the hard way. (laughs) Uh, I hope your kids are nothing like you because mine's exactly like me, and she makes me so mad for all the things that I do. So, it's like the worst, that's the worst fate. Yep. Well, I started, you know, the, the um, the Priceline commercials with, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Um, William, Captain Shatner. William Shatner. Yeah, yeah. And the little jingle is like, Priceline negotiator. And then, you know, he does like an action pose. So my four-year-old now, she's just like a supreme negotiator. She has been for years. So whenever she, you know, does this, I go, cute kid negotiator. Because she's just, she's so damn good at it. She wrote a letter to Santa and it started off, dear Santa, I think you are doing a great job. That's how her, that's how her, that's how her letter to Santa started. I was like, oh my gosh, where's this going? Is this going to be like Sally Brown? How about tens and twenties? Like it was. At what point did she say, but. (laughs) <laughs> this no, it's, just, be it's amazing how well she can get what she wants, but she makes it seem like it's really everyone else getting something, you know, like she <laughs> folds in her desires so seamlessly with other goodness that she can just show you or, or she's real solid about it. like, so tonight it's like, Hey daddy, can I have some more, you know, spaghetti? And I'm thinking like, well, you know, you've already had a lot of spaghetti and the broccoli's <laughs> sitting there. So, you know, it wasn't like maybe, yes, it was like, I don't want to talk about that right now. I want you to eat your broccoli. So what I said was, you need to eat your broccoli. What I didn't say was, sure, if you eat your broccoli. And I think she knows the the distinction there. And so then she was like, mom, isn't this great? I will do exactly what you tell me. I will eat my broccoli. I will eat all my broccoli just like you tell me. And then I can have some spaghetti, just like you tell me. And I'm just, and my, me and my wife are just looking at each other like, well, you didn't technically say she couldn't have any more spaghetti, but she just, you know, she's real smooth like that. So cute kid negotiator. (laughs) I hear Clutch is already looking to sign her to be an agent at some point in the future. Clutch? Yeah. They don't need any well, you help. You didn't tell me I couldn't have eighty-two million dollars. <laughs> yeah, they, I, don't think clutch, I don't think Clutch needs any help at this point, man. I, well, you know, maybe in fifteen years, though. Well, here's what I want to see: Who's going to be the first guy that Clutch gets paid that is a total bust? That's just on reputation, just like. Well, did clutch they right. sign? Didn't they sign Manzel? Wasn't he their first bust, technically? Yeah, but they didn't sign him as his agent, right? They were they were some kind of like. Marketing, they were like just, yeah, marketing, but still, I mean, then they backed out pretty well. I don't think they had anything to do with a Manzel contract, though. Yeah, because no, that was right. spotted. Like, who's going to be the the Anthony Bennett that signs for? Well, Chris Bennett was a bust out of the draft, but like, who's going to be the guy that going for his second contract goes 
clutch gets some insane deal and it just we all knew they weren't any good. I mean, I, I thought that was going to be Tristan Thompson. I'll be. Jeez, I hope honest. it's. I hope it's not Jr. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What do you mean? 1-22 in his last two games? Okay, he'll Tom, get better. We have got I, I think he's two up. weeks behind. I think he's two weeks behind. Because <laughs> he missed training camp? Yeah. Okay. More than halfway to three hours, Nate. I think we can just get it. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's time to go because I still got to mix this thing and it's 12. All right, all right. All right. Um, all right, everyone want to give a sign off? I'll go first since my sign offs are the longest. I'll try to make it short. Um, <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. I hope everyone out there had a very nice, peaceful, relaxing weekend, saw family and friends and uh, loved ones. Oh, that's the other thing, David, when you get older, holidays become more stressful than fun a lot. It just happens because it's just hard. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> I'm thankful. This is I'm, not a sign off. <laughs> I'm thankful for you guys. Um, and for Cavs the Block, and for the Cavs, and the city of Cleveland, and the state of Ohio, and Urban Meyer, and so many good things going on in Ohio. And I'm very thankful, on a serious note, I'm very thankful today that the attack that happened at Ohio State, um, last I heard, there had not been any um, deaths from the attacker. Just the attacker was, was killed, so hopefully that is still true. Thankful for the... Uh, the rapid response from the police and uh, and that's it. EG. Um, <laughs> follow that. I can I can only follow that with an amen, maybe. But um, <laughs> testify. But testify. I, I will just say uh, it's an exciting time of year. I think uh, I can't wait to see what December brings for the Cavs and for Cavs blog and all of our commentariat and a special shout out to the best act family who enjoyed the uh the dr strange love piece your son did a great job on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh i've never even seen dr strange love and they were looked at me in horror like oh you have to see it so i got to see it <laughs> david uh i don't know i'm thankful to be writing with you guys and that i have great advice I'll never have to learn parenting stuff from a book because I have you guys and <laughs> unicorns are an all age animal and the calves are really good right now. So yeah. everything's looking up. I, I'm uh, thankful for the uh, next uh, six or seven weeks before uh, before the world ends and Donald Trump becomes president and uh, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy them and uh, and uh, we'll go from there. So, so what uh, will you be what will you be drinking before you uh, stare at the tsunami like the end of Deep Impact? <laughs> uh, Orange Pago. <laughs> Perfect. All right, guys. Um, this as always, been, go Cavs. Yeah, as always, go, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blog podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blog. There's a fire. Lost your home. And we're out. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. 
Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.